here, on the very rim of known space, justice is a long way away. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian. Joining me, as always, is your co-host, Spaz. Port side's gone. Starboard side's gone. Everything's normal. <laughs> what is that from? That sounds like it's from a thing. No, it's not from a thing. Oh, well, well done. Uh, also joining us is your co-host, Julie. Hello from the great green north. Nice. Your co-host, Thorsten. Why the hell did this happen? <laughs> your co-host, uh, Jacob. Well, the front fell off. <laughs> your co-host, David. Warning, syntax error has occurred. <laughs> uh, friends, we actually have a guest this week. Uh, joining us I from know, the... <laughs> on, on this on the Space Game Junkie podcast, unheard of. I've, 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 for some reason, I've been having trouble getting guests. I don't know why. I don't know what's... I'm going to be honest. I don't know what's going on. I email people. I ask them. I never hear back. This happened three times in a row now. So I don't know what's going on. Maybe people are less enamored of podcasts these days. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's my breath. I don't know. Um, we'll keep asking. Uh, but we do have a guest today joining us from the UK. Uh, Dan of Slice Bar Games to talk about his amazing retro cassette futury thing called that I streamed a week or so ago called uh, Astro Protocol 2. Welcome, Dan. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for making this, uh, this, this thing, this thing that you've made. Oh my God. It's okay. So first off, we have to ask what happened to Astro Protocol one. So Astro Protocol one, uh, it is out there. It is available. Um, unfortunately, if you search for it, you'll probably find a lot of cryptocurrency. Oh no. Uh, but, oh, no. um, yeah, so uh, it's um, it basically it's Astro Protocol One is um, Astro Protocol Two if it was made in three months at the start of lockdown uh, and you had nothing else to do. So it's um, similar concept but very stripped down, um, just a kind of semi arcade um, space sim slash shooter. Ah, I found it. It's on itch. Ah, there it is. Bloody good work. (laughs) Oh, look at that. It it does look very similar to the second one, but the second one's a more fleshed out product. It's also green. (laughs) Instead of orange. I believe you can change the color of... uh, All right, you can. I believe. The default is orange. Which I prefer, honestly. I prefer the orange. Uh, The the, the green is very, very... Timely. So, was were these your first games ever? Or had you worked on games before these? So, uh, Astro Protocol is my first independently um, produced and and done game. I I am a former uh, games dev, as in professional games dev, um, back end of the uh, the noughties to the mid noughties. <laughs> uh, I did work in a uh, in a game studio, but. Um, but yeah, moved moved out of games and just into general software development. So um, yeah, this is my first actual myself, my idea, me working on it. Congratulations! Okay, I have to ask, who did you work for back in the day? Which game studio? Can you say? Uh, 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 British one. Uh, if I can pronounce it right, I don't know why it's easy to pronounce. Sumo Digital. Um, they've know, recently done. Um, what have they recently done? The Sackboy games. Um, oh, Little Big Planet, those ones. Yeah, yeah, those ones. Oh, okay, those are uh, great. So a pile of like those are fun. Oh, yeah, so you used to be a pile of like uh, PlayStation exclusives, but then also other stuff. They made one of the Sonic Racing games. They made okay. We don't care. Carrying on. No, we we do. Well, they did. We do. They did. Do we get two two games which might have some crossover with uh, with your audience? Uh, in I think 2010, we did the Doctor Who adventure games. Oh, um, right! I never. I've only played one of those. I don't know if it was by the same people, but it was recently. Uh, it was with uh, Jody Whittaker Doctor. So I don't. I'm not sure you guys worked on those. 
No, it was the Matt Smith era. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they were, with it being a BBC property, it was funded by the BBC. Uh, so like by the, the license, uh, the license fee. So for the first few years, you could only actually get it if you were a, um, a UK TV license um, holder. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. It's <laughs> an interesting way to, um, <clears throat> to, to, to do your games. But uh, I have to say, I'm glad you went, on, you went your own way and made this. So how did the idea for this come along at the Astro Protocol games? Cause folks, if you haven't played these or if you haven't seen my stream, they are definitely of a very, very specific era of gaming. Basically, would you say very early 80s, like 82, 84, 83, 84, like very early 80s, maybe even late 70s. Um, so it's a very, very specific area of video gaming is what I would think. So part of the main inspiration was uh, like quite a lot of people, 2020 comes around, not much to do for reasons. Um. So I thought, well, I always liked um, trying to create games, but one of the big issues I have is that I'm a programmer, not an artist. I can do a bit of drawing, but um, it takes forever to get anything of anywhere near quality that I'm happy with. Um, but then I thought, well, actually, what if I did something that uses kind of basic shapes, well, vector graphics like what was around in the, uh, in the 80s? Um, and that was the initial seed. And it's just things like um, when I was younger, um, I'm a little bit too young for it myself, but my parents had a um, an Amstrad microcomputer, the CPC-464. Oh, man, um, yeah. Those weren't, those weren't really available which, over here in the States, but we were well aware of them over here. Which was a, lot, a very strong influence on uh, the first game, hence the green... Um, the green screen um and even the fonts trying to emulate the font that um that they use um and then also uh also i took part in a, a, a game jam and one of the um optional parts of that was trying to make a game under a certain amount of size so i thought well what if i tried to combine the two together um and then that's where i came up with the initial concept and then thematically things like um alien and the the sci-fi of the kind of of the the late 70s the early 80s the the whole we're going through outer space you know traveling all these things doing all these really complex stuff but the thing we're using is essentially a, a commodore 64 or a, <laughs> an amstrad you a know, commodore pet yeah <laughs> um, fancy and yeah Side note: Did you see Andor, the 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 recent Star Wars show? I got around to that yet. No, I'm, I've only I think seen the first series of uh, The Mandalorian. So uh, okay, and Andor, they really lean into that cassette futury that you saw in the original movies. They 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 really lean into it, and it's amazing. Though it, at the time it was contemporary. Right, but but now, but they but they somehow kept it, even though it's a modern show. They kept it and made it usable, and it's amazing. <laughs> I don't know how they did it, but I'm looking at like, oh my god, they kept that '70s and '80s tech that they were using in the original movies, and somehow modernized it, but still kept it looking the same. So you have these dials and these buttons, and it's like, how do you even use a computer with that stuff? <laughs> But yeah, it totally looks like something out of Alien or or, uh, or Blade Runner. You know, it totally has that. It totally has that look to it. Um, so I I gotta give you props. And so, what was the game jam call? I I don't think I've heard of this. What was the game jam call where you had to do it under a certain size? Oh, it's it was um it was many years ago. It was um it was it wasn't the actual main focus of it. It was like this is the main focus, but here's some optional things. You know, can you do it under a certain size, or can you use a limited color palette and and all these things? And it just kind of always stuck in my head, like trying to make a, a modern game um, under like a certain size, um, 
because you know back in back in the the eighties, um, games were tiny, um, and now you know all the bloat and stuff that comes with it. Um, so yeah, I, I did want to make just something that that was as small as possible. I think Astro Protocol One is about five hundred k. It doesn't have any external assets. Everything's built within the engine, um, just to try and you know keep the size down as much as possible. And even then, I think um, I, I use just like uh, modern coding. If I if I'd tried, I probably could have even made it smaller. But it's that. Uh, trade-off between you know going mad trying to write in assembly um, versus you know trying to get something out there and it's uh, fun to play. Okay, um, can we get an um, Amiga version and a PC <laughs> version of the game? <laughs> I mean, it's, Please uh, don't. Uh, <laughs> guys, it's, 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 it's smaller than 500k. Uh, See, what I'd like to know is, I mean, you've, you've explained your inspiration for the whole thing, but obviously, I mean, is this the, who do you see as your target market? And what do you really like yourself about this game? You know, it's like, what's the attraction to this style of gaming, you personally? Yeah, so that's the thing that I didn't initially think that there was really much of a target audience for it. Um it was very much, I think, I, I did a screenshot and I just posted it around a few of my friends and um, one guy said, oh, oh, that looks pretty cool. And I thought, well, um, you know, during lockdown, I've got nothing else to really lose. I've got plenty of time not doing anything, so um, I'd run with it. Um, and then I just put it up on, uh, on itch and it got a bit of, um, a bit of attention. Um, and as I kept the scope small, um, there was a lot of features which were cut cut from it, um, and these ideas were all just like rattling around in my head. But at the time, I didn't even know that cassette futurism was a a genre. Uh, I'd always explain it as the tech of the um, of the the late seventies uh, and eighties. Uh, and it wasn't until I discovered the uh, the cassette futurism subreddit, and just I think posted up a screenshot of it that that I saw that there was. Whilst they're very specific, uh, there was an audience there, which was mainly for the art style. But um, I think that's kind of what what I went for. Uh, doubled down on it, worked on it, and so that's the thing. I think it's it's very much those that um, that like the the aesthetic and even just the the experience of it. Um, so when I even even Astro Protocol Two, when I produced it, expecting people would play it for. 10, 20 minutes, go, oh, yeah, this is kind of like what it would be like flying a spacecraft in uh, Alien or uh, whatever. But um, but no, some people really did pick it up and run with it. And as I worked on it, obviously, I I found it fun uh, just just doing bits uh, bits of it. But, uh, but yeah, there's not really a target, or there wasn't initially a target market for it. Well, you know, what this puts me in mind of the look of the game is I found something on YouTube the other day about futurism, and it was like from the 1920s and what they expected it to look like now. And oh, this kind of puts me in mind of that, you know. And um, uh, what it also reminds me of is back, you know, before there was even an internet, I used to sneak into the mainframe late at night at U of I to play a game, and this would be like, wow, it's so much better. And it was, you know, it was a little light disc, you know, and on amber screen and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I would just, I was also curious about, you know, because it's so hard to find out about anything about you on the internet, you know, did you just wake up one day and say, oh, hey, I know video games, or did you kind of fall into it, or what started you down the path? Um, yeah, so I think it's like from when I was younger, like from when I was a kid, uh, I really did kind of always wanted to go into to video games. Um, like we, so we had uh, an Amstrad growing up, uh, and I'd tinker with it a little bit, but um, and I'd, for, I don't know how many people are familiar with it, but the, the computers of those era were you can you can program on a, an Amstrad um, just like straight out. Basically, you don't um, 
you know, it, it doesn't load up a front end or it doesn't even load up into a game. You have to kind of type the commands. You even have to type in run uh, to run to run a game. Um, so just tinkering bits in that um, got me interested in computers. And then just as things went on, um, growing up in the 90s and the whole kind of the explosion of, um, or at least in the household, the PC and and similar. I think that kind of just, I was always quite close to computers and uh, games. So I think it was just something that, that happened kind of hand in hand. And I just decided that, yeah, I wanted to do games. Well, you know, it's when I first saw this, I said, wow, it kind of threw me back to when I first started with my employer and this will really date me, you know, when I turned on the computer and I said, what's this? They said, it's the DOS prompt. <laughs> this is the, I, what we're talking about is even before DOS, like one of my first computers was a Radio Shack TRS-80 and it also had like no loading screen or anything. It was basic. And to do anything, you had to program it yourself or load something off a cassette tape drive. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, this game could totally come of that era of loading Lunar Lander off a cassette tape drive. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I began uh, back then with an uh, C64 and uh, it, it was basically the same. Uh, you turn this thing on and uh, you had your basics there. <laughs> and uh, friends of mine uh, had uh, back then uh, Amstrad uh, uh, CPCs, uh, one had a, a 486 uh, with, a, with a tape, and uh, another one a um, 686 with with uh, with uh, a disc, which was hyper modern back then. Oh wow! <laughs> Wait, it had a built-in cassette. The, the Amstrad had a built-in cassette drive, or was it an external cassette drive? No, it, it was it was built in. The, the, the 486 Whoa. was built in, uh, 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 and the disc uh, too. Whatever, ha- whatever happened to Amstrad? They kind of went away uh, uh, fairly early on, didn't they? They didn't. They seemed to stop being a thing fairly early in the process. Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, as far as I know, uh, when the first sixteen-bit uh, computers uh, came out, uh, they missed basically the the, uh, the train. Oh. And uh, lost lost a lot of their their market share. What was bad in my opinion? Because because uh, as I said before, the, the computers weren't that bad. Yeah, it looks like they kind of faded away in the early '90s. It looks like kind of around the same time the Amiga started to fade away as well. It looks like. Um, that's a shame. Well, sort of. <laughs> there were so many different computers back then. I mean, one had to dominate at some point, you know. <laughs> oh, I see the one with the built-in cassette drive. That is bananas. Look at that thing. <laughs> yeah, I think it's about two feet wide. Yeah, it's huge. And it's got it's not like a bezel around the keyboard and everything. Like all this space around the keyboard. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna post a picture I got just got from Wikipedia. Of the darn thing. Look at that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it, it may just be me. I did try and make it through the, although it says 77 pages on my computer when I brought it up, I realized it's not. And I did try and read through it. Uh, oh, yes. And it was, is it just me? Or it looked like it was written, started out like it was kind of like as if it were presented to someone of the time, like a little story thing. And maybe it was just me, but whether it was intentional or not, I appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, it, it, it's supposed to be, um, the whole thing is that it's, it's not supposed to be you're playing a game. It's supposed to be you're a pilot flying a ship. So the manual's supposed to be written as an in-universe style manual, not for how to play the game, how to use the software. So um, that's why there's not a tutorial in it. That's why it's very much, this is your syntax guide, and it's literally, this is what you do. You type this in, and this is what happens. 
um, I do actually have the Amstrad uh, user user manual um, that I used as a guide for it. So at the start, you yeah. have the kind of the, the standard, you know, don't plug it in whilst your hands are wet, those sort of things. And um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I just tried to use that framework um, because, and that was another part of the game that it's not as much uh, playing the game itself. It's learning how to play the game is a strong element of it. Um, you start off in the ship and you don't really know what's going on. You have to work out what's happening. And by the time you've worked out what's happening, you've not realized that you're in the gravitational pull and you've just been pulled into um, the nearest planet or an enemy's turned up and has started blasting at you or an asteroid's heading straight for you. So it's it's that. It's like you try and work out how to do things, but the game doesn't necessarily make it easy for you to do, do that. But at the same time, it's not, or at least I hope it's not unfair. It's very much... Um, just here it is. Like, good luck. Well, yeah. it was pretty oh, much. God. Yeah, I was pretty much reminded of the approach uh, of uh, a lot of games from the mid '80s, like uh, Mercenary or uh, uh, Elite, the original Elite. Uh, those those uh, games by published by Firebird and uh, like Cholo or, or uh, similar games. So uh, that's pretty cool. Did I miss it, or, or when I logged on and started getting all these like warnings about impending crashes and whatnot? Uh, is there actually some place where it refers to the manual? I had to go online and say, "Brian, help! I'm lost." So, um, I think it is very much you just work out, you know, like this thing keeps happening. Why does that keep happening? Ah, yes, this is why it it happens. Um, so yeah, a lot of it's not explained as such, but it's meant to. the The idea is supposed to be, um, you you're a bit lost to begin with, but you slowly start putting the pieces together and working out, um, how to to do things or what what keeps happening. Um, since the initial first patch, I have added in a few pieces to try and help out, um, such as when you do get a game over screen, it explains the reason for why you got a game over rather than it just suddenly happening um yeah wait that wasn't in there before it didn't tell you why you died it what did it what happened no no it like in <laughs> yeah like i said in the um i wasn't expecting people to really play too much of it uh, which is when i got a request for people to say like could you put in a save game i was like people are going to be playing it for 20 minutes why would you need a save game i'm I, I didn't expect people to, um, to want to do that. Um, but now just looking at I've, I've seen some people have put, um, you know, 10 plus hours into the game, which for me is, uh, is I mean, I can sync that into it because I'm playing, I'm, I'm enjoying it. And, and I suppose other people are as well. But, um, you know, I, like I said, when I started it off, I wasn't expecting there to be a market for the game. So I was, um, yeah, I'm surprised some people just seem to have fallen in love with it which is for me fantastic it is really cool no it is it is utterly fascinating it because again it harkens back to a very a very specific era that is almost completely lost these days like you don't see games like this much anymore except in like interactive fiction maybe you know stuff like that you don't see a lot of games like this anymore and so, uh, yeah, and it's plus the game for insane people, and I'm here, so clearly there's a market for it. <laughs> should I should I help you with that, Jacob? <laughs> what? Just add submarines to the game. <laughs> uh, I, I this is where I won't ask my usual question, but I will point out that it would fit on the Switch. I don't know about the controls though. Look, yes, that's why I was going to say the controls won't, but where it would go good is on my phone and the best thing about that is if i'm ever in a boring meeting like i was this last wednesday that's eight hours long if this came up on my phone everybody would say oh look how busy you are look at the graphs taking notes i am really <laughs> impressed 
It's like playing Eve Online to uh, pretend you're doing a job. Ah, you're 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 plotting you're plotting charts and things. You're really involved in what's going on. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly no what. No Kickstarter, I'll contribute. Those exp- <laughs> Excel spreadsheets are looking real crazy. Typing oh commands furiously, Julie. I am like, impressed. I can actually see this working on a phone and a tablet because it's entirely text based. I could totally see this working. On a Absolutely. phone or a tablet. Oh my god! So, it, the commands would never work on a switch. But please put it on my phone. Well, there are actually voice commands on it, so um, you can actually tell the uh, if you if you turn them on, uh, you can. What? Well, I, I I say can in loose. Uh, <laughs> it's the loosest definition. There is voice recognition. What? Um, really? That's what I read that there in the manual. What? Now I got However, it on my phone. The biggest of caveats is that um, <laughs> it uses just the standard uh, Microsoft Windows voice recognition. So not the Cortana, the, not the good voice recognition, the, the, the very basic bare bones stuff. <laughs> so um, it half the time it doesn't understand what you're saying or it'll just construct some sort of crazy sentence, um, you know, to such an extent that realistically I would have dropped it. However, I gave it to a few people to try out and they just had such a a good time just trying to control the ship and just seeing what it (laughs) thought you were saying. uh, Oh my God, that's amazing. (laughs) So I can actually put it on my computer and scream hard to port on it? (laughs) I think yeah, I don't know what it'll think you're saying, but you can definitely you, uh, yeah, you can definitely do that, and it you, will. You might get something. a you might get a syntax error, but yeah, you can. It sounds like I read the Open manual. The I read I've the manual, and I this. I somehow that didn't click with me that that's a thing you could actually try. That's oh my god! <laughs> I was too busy being distracted by the god awful text to speech that was assaulting me every time I opened the game. <laughs> Because guess what, Mr. Developer? <laughs> the text-to-speech defaults to the default on your computer, which is determined by your, by your set language. Oh, no. Oh, so no. again, try to speak to me in Polish. <laughs> so is this going to be like in some places like the, the oh. routine two Scotsman stuck in an elevator? <laughs> yes. So so wait, what was it? Can you can you repeat in Polish what it was saying, Jacob? Uh, the, 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 it oh, was no. reading. It was reading out like the English in an awful Polish accent. Could you could you give us an example? I would love to hear this. No, because I no because I would get kicked out of school. <laughs> I am I am studying translation and localization. <laughs> If I perf- if I said any word like that on like the school grounds, I would get shot out of a catapult well, through well, the front door. Okay, well this is in, you- in your defense. This is not you saying this. this. Is you imitating something else saying this? So it's not you saying uh, this, right? Uh, no, it's genuinely so. Like I want you to understand, my voice box isn't capable of producing sounds like that. <laughs> I also imagine it would cause some psychic damage if he were to actually try to. To do this okay that's fair enough yes. <laughs> Severe. i'm doing it for the benefit of the audience i have to admit that tickles me though i have to admit that tickles me i i kinda love that <laughs> but that keeps the game like small st- <laughs> <laughs> yes it keeps it small <laughs> oh, it makes you wish you could just turn it off by default <laughs> I think you can, though, right? I think you can. If you, want not to, by right? De- you can turn it off by typing in a command after it started yelling at you. Already. Oh, I see, I see, I see. In the 1.3 patch that I'm currently working on, uh, you can both turn it off at the start um, in the config, but then you can also pick the voice. Oh, good. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> I, li- I like the config thing. You kind of snuck it in there. You need a little bit of... You need a little because I never used the the Steam thing where you open the properties and you add a add a command to it. I never used that yeah, until that's this game. Real fancy. I never used that until this game, 
and I've been using Steam for I don't know how long. <laughs> I I understand the effect, but I got a headache almost immediately. So thank God someone was there to say config, config. Yeah, I I, I too need to turn off the flicker. It wasn't good for my eyes either. <laughs> yeah, it, it, again, it was that that kind of initially when it was conceived it was just you know this is the ex- an experience you don't really have a config you know when you're booting a microcomputer up you don't have a config menu up first but re- the realism of people are really playing it and stuff so uh yeah a lot of those things have been added in to actually make it uh something that's playable whilst also trying to keep in with the the thing so um so windowed mode as well as coming up in the um, the 1.3 patch so you can um shrink it as well if you do want it windowed or you know as they are currently turning off the flicker and ghosting and, and all those sort of effects oh windowed mode will be great because then you could read the 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 manual the 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 questionably helpful manual i'm gonna tell you sir one i love your manual two i love how it's not the most helpfully written manual and i kind of feel that's intentional because <laughs> again it's written in universe so yeah the, the, <laughs> There is, there's a lot of, of stuff like that. Um, so <laughs> even things as well like um, add things like the user interface, um, and I suppose even the typing in of the commands, not so. The whole back in the eighties, I suppose there wasn't as big a field, or even I'm not even sure if there was a field at all of uh, the whole user interface and user experience. Oh, there so, was. I could. I could tell you for certain there was not. <laughs> there was. There was very little thought. I don't even. I don't even think UX was a term until the last ten or fifteen years. You know, I, I, I could. I could almost hundred percent assure you there was no thought to the quote unquote user experience back then. <laughs> the user is gonna. The user what? is gonna type things in by hand, and he's gonna like it. This is the that one. This is the one game a user's going to buy for a year. So just going to let's throw this stuff at them and they'll figure it out. <laughs> they'll figure it out eventually. All get bored. And and so there's elements of that that I've um, sometimes consciously tried to introduce, but then also consciously tried to not avoid. So, um, <laughs> not avoid. <laughs> things like if. If you were designing it in a modern form, there'd be you know things might be laid out a bit better or text <laughs> explaining what stuff means, but that's deliberately not been there because it's to try and emulate um, elements of that. Um, one other thing as well is that so um, pretty much everything's designed to be in uh, well not consciously, but everything's in British English because I'm British, um, except for the stabilized command. Which is actually uses uh, a Z instead of a um, an S, <laughs> so, and it's things like that because even oh, you know, so that's why I had no trouble because I'm already used to British English. <laughs> and right, stabilized yeah. with an S. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And so it, it's just things like that that um, I even. To some extent, I wanted to try and use that as an excuse if people uncovered a bug. Oh, there's a bug here, and I, to some extent, I wanted to just lean back and say, like, in the '80s, you would have had a bug um, in there, but uh, obviously, you got to draw the line somewhere. You can't just release any old uh, piece of rubbish and just say that's what you would have had in the '80s. Oh God! And if you had a bug in the '80s, that was pretty much that. Like, that's that's it. <laughs> Yeah, no such thing as a patch. At least not in the early <sighs> to mid eighties. No, I mean they Unless started, you did it yourself. Patches did start coming out in like the late eighties, but like, oh god, the the way you got a patch, if I remember back in the day, is you had to first you had, you had to be sure to register your game because you know when you when you bought a game, it had a little little postcard in there. You got to register, and then they'd know you'd own the game, and then they'd mail you a thing. Hey, you want a patch? Yes, I do want a patch. Okay, send us $2 for a floppy disk. <laughs> Mail you as in via the post box. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we will mail you a disk with the patch on it. <laughs> but but that didn't come about until maybe the late 80s, even. Yeah. 
Yeah, very late eighties because, uh, yeah, it was it was what you see is what you get with most uh, with most games, and and uh, very rarely uh, would you find an updated version unless they did a re-release. Yeah, the gold version or the or whatever, you know. <laughs> Like I think that's how I think that's how I got a patch for Red Baron back in the day. Was I admit that they mailed me about it? <laughs> so this is going on a slight tangent to that um, because stuff ran off a cassette um, back in the eighties. I know that um, at sometimes um, so it, the BBC I think at late night would sometimes actually just. Um, be able to just like put out a sound that it'd be like right now record like press record on your tape player record it and then they'd essentially send software like that i think it was on what um (laughs) i have heard about this what i've never heard about this uh, oh my god (laughs) uh, true it's true really they would play a sound you recorded that sound on the tape and then you played that tape back in your computer to, to run a program. I've heard of it. That's real fancy. Wow. I believe it. I mean, I believe it. I mean, that's how I guess they came on cassette tape to begin with, but I've never heard of over the air broadcast of a program like that. Wow. Wait, are we, are you telling us that? That was really a thing, yeah? That was really a thing back then. Wait. Could you have? Could you have? Could you pirate games from pirate radio? <laughs> I guess. I've heard. I've heard that happened. Oh my god! Oh man! You'd have to have a really clean signal, I think, to be able to because tapes are pretty notorious for predation uh, and stuff. Um, but yeah, I believe believe that. I mean, I want to say I wasn't around at the time, so. Don't say what I'm saying, count what I'm saying as fact, but I, I recall oh. seeing and hearing of this. I completely believe it. I completely no, I'm old, I'm old enough, I can confirm this. <laughs> oh, wow, what a... I'm glad there are people who remember all this. You know, I, I'm glad there are people who, who remember all this stuff, because... Side note, tangent again, video game preservation is such an important thing. And and the fact that and we're not always going to be around to remember this stuff. So it's, it's good that people are... I'm, I'm happy that there are people around preserving video games and keeping this history. That's that's astounding. That is That doesn't, that doesn't surprise me at all. I had never heard of this, but it doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, so back to Astro Protocol 2. This game feels huge. Is it possible to finish it? Is it possible to solve it? Because I've never come close. And I don't know if I ever will come close. But you said Is people. There an end? Yeah, you said people have played up to 10 hours. Does that even get you close to finishing this thing? Because it seems like a huge universe and you don't move very quickly. And even when you're moving as slowly as you do, um, all this stuff is happening on the way. So is it, I guess, is there an ending? And is it possible to get there? Are my questions. Yes. So there's a um, ending of sorts. Um, (laughs) There's a story element to the game, um, but it's a very light story. Um, again, the idea when you played it was just literally just have fun. You're in outer space, go explore, do what you want. Um, but there's the story elements that you get via transmissions. Uh, so you might notice it says attention incoming transmission or periodic signal detected. And when you discover those, you, you get little snippets of things that happened. Um, the Astro Protocol event, which you're um, you're investigating, Tell Rob. and if <laughs> and if you hit certain criteria, you will trigger the um, the ending condition for the story elements of it. Um, 
and but again that's just kind of just a little bit of a motivation to to get you to keep flying and exploring it's not pertinent to to playing it so um and once you've triggered the end condition the game doesn't end it just that event happened um you can carry on you keep going wow yeah (laughs) so how long would it take if someone knew the game um i'm trying to so theoretically it could happen very quickly because um it's triggered to stuff that's randomly generated. So if you get to the perfect set of conditions, you could do it pretty quickly. Practicality of it, I think it'd take you a lot longer. Um, I must say that I've never legitimately triggered the end condition. I've only triggered it via... um, console commands oh you haven't beaten your own game i <laughs> that's interesting that sounds perfect and honestly just just fits with everything else honestly it just seems to completely make sense <laughs> it's theoretically possible but uh yeah it's not been been done but if, if someone fancies speedrunning it then uh, um be my guest. Astro Protocol speedrunning. I don't know how you'd speedrun this game because if you run your engines at full speed, you're going to have a reactor overload and die. So You're I- very <laughs> quick at typing. You're like unfathomably fast typing. That's the speedrun. You're, 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 a, you're a veteran of Sierra Adventure games, so you're lightning typing those commands in. <laughs> It's like typing of the dead. Uh, oh, or that, yeah, or that typing, <laughs> typing of the trying not to be dead. Oh man, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I grew up on Infocom games. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I played Planetfall. Planetfall is a great one because not only can you die horribly in many, many ways, you can die before you even leave the escape pod because uh. you may not even get to the escape pod you have to get to in order to get down to the planet. Wow. I came to the Infocom stuff late. I played all the Star Trek text adventures first. Is that one of those games where you can die during character creation? All right, it doesn't have that, so... uh, No, no, Infocom was the company that made a lot of the uh, text adventures from the late 70s through the 80s. Oh, Uh, all the ones that people... Including Um, Zork. Hitchhiker's yeah. Guide to the Galaxy. Um, what's that one where you were an AI? It's got a crazy title that I can never remember. Um, Starmancer? No, 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 no. You were, you were an AI. Oh, God. Oh, um, Observation? No, no, no. It was a multi, no, I, it was a multi-word title. Hang on. I can never no, I think, it, I think you're talking about uh, I Have No Mouth and I'm a Scream. No, 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 no. Yeah. There's that one. No, 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 no. What? Is, hang on. I got to, I got to figure this. I, I, God, I can never remember the goddamn name of the title. Um, anyway, anyway. Um, yeah. I love that this game is purely done by text parsers. I, I absolutely, I absolutely love it. <laughs> ah, a mind forever voyaging. That was it. Uh, ah. see. That's the one I was thinking of, where you're an AI trying to make it in the world today, and it takes everything you've got. Um, <laughs> sorry, but uh, yeah, they uh, Infocom made like like Planetfall was one of their big ones. Hitchhiker's Guide might have been one of their biggest. Um, Leather Goddesses of the Phobos, like all these crazy Starcross, like uh, just a bunch of crazy, crazy great games. Great games. Uh, so that's an, that's another way this game is evocative of its era because there was no mouse back then. <laughs> What's a mouse? Is that a thing that lives in your freaking walls and your cat eats it? <laughs> yeah. When, when did computers first get mice? Was it like 87, 88? I don't remember. It was it was in the later eighties, if I recall correctly. 
Because I first got one in like 89. So yeah, everything before that was text. Everything before that was text. Well, text or a joystick. Or joystick. Because, God, uh, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, my Atari 800 had... Um, I didn't have the, uh, the cassette uh, tape deck for it, but uh, disk drive and... You know, DOS 1.0 was on it, and then you'd have to load the DOS disk first, and then you put in your game disk after loading DOS. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Oh, those are the days. At, at least on the computers I had, DOS was kind of built in. So I didn't even, I didn't have to. Our sound is cutting out? Oh, maybe mine, perhaps? I don't know. Might be the internet. Might, might be, be the internet. Speaking. It might be the internet because from where I'm sitting, everyone sounds great. So I don't know. Um, or solar radiation. Solar radiation. Yes, maybe. Uh, Leather Goddess of Phobos 2. Yeah, that was also them, I believe. Um, oh, yeah. Max had mice in 1984. Thank you, Jose. So I guess that's when mice started being a thing. For Max, at least. I don't know when PC started getting them. Because that's what matters. <laughs> anyway, um, so how big is this game? Because I've never gotten that far. And it looks, and the coordinates are these huge numbers. So is this like a giant galaxy we're talking about? Or is it just not that big? It just feels that big. Uh, so the limits are going to be the um the maximum size of a double point number um so huge or whatever your computer can handle uh it's not designed with boundaries if you fly, if you fly out of the system it'll generate you a new system um, oh wow like i said it, it doesn't really have a it doesn't really have an endpoint um the universe is sort of designed within um our solar system, I've had to scale some of the sizes down just because obviously those numbers are huge and not doable in a, in a, um, a, compu uh, a computer. But, um, but yeah, I've tried to just make it kind of vast and um, vast and stuff. Um, but yeah, you won't, it won't take you seven years to fly between planets or at least <laughs> in most cases it, it, it won't. Maybe if you, if you hit the right conditions, you could maybe fly for, for seven years and then hit a planet but um yeah it, it's the the game itself the, there's there's high elements of um randomly generated but then within real world to some extent physics so um it would just meant that it was relatively easy to develop because um you know there was no real thoughts about right well we need to put a planet here or we need to put this there, which which can mean that at some points, if you end up with essentially some bad rolls, you can end up flying through um, dead and boring space. But I've tried to incorporate, especially in this new patch, elements to try and at least keep it interesting to some extent. But um, you can be at the um, the mercy of your random number generator. There. But yeah, it's like I think the first time I played it, or the second time, I think the first time I died in like two minutes. But the second time, like it was relatively a, a fairly easy trip, and I think I lasted all of twenty thirty minutes, which felt so long in this game. Like how people can play for ten hours? How do they survive? I don't understand. <laughs> but apparently, you can. What's <laughs> up? Oh, uh, it happens. It, ha it it happens. No worries. So what what like what did you use to program this even? Uh, like obviously not Unity or whatever. What did what is like what language is this in? It's in uh, C sharp and it uses uh, WinForms. So uh, again, I don't know how I, d I don't know how um, many people are developers, but um, it doesn't use. Um, OpenGL or DirectX, or at least not directly, it uses um, GDI Plus, which is the very basic drawing system that um, 
that Windows can use. So theoretically, this will run on, um, I think, Windows XP. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm not sure which... I'm not sure which the last supported um, version of .NET for XP is, um, but um, but certain elements of it might be tweaked to be able to to do that. So like um, the three the three D graphics, well, um, the three D maths uses a um, a more modern. I say more modern. I think like 2012 uh, library. So um, Certain things would have to be done to to make it that, but I believe that um, that yeah, it should run on um, potentially XP because I think XP supported. I think the the furthest .NET is I think .NET four point something, which I think is roughly about what it uses. Um, I've not tried, but um, but yeah, it's like I said, it's not using any fancy fancy engine. It's that which is. Part of the reason why it's um, it's so small because um, it uses what's essentially essentially it is just a, a Windows desktop application. Huh. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing you can make such a deep game. I mean, that's an older language, right? C sharp. That's one of the older. Am I remembering that correctly? Um, I think it's about exactly. twenty something, twenty something years old at this point. So it's not the not the really old ones, but um, I'll just have a check. But it's needed if you want to uh, want to uh, uh, use Unity, because Unity uses uh, C sharp as as language. Yeah. It's two uh, two thousand. It's from. Wow. I thought it was older than that. Maybe I'm thinking of C plus plus. Maybe because that's even older. Um, I can't keep track. <laughs> but uh, I have to say, your game is really an amazing thing, and I think gamers, both young and old, would really get a lot out of experience because it is an experience it really is an experience it's not just a game is it is it, it is a, it's almost a time capsule you know it's 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 an experience of this is what gaming was like um at least a lot of this pulls from what gaming was like in the early to mid 80s and uh yeah i could totally see this you know being something of a time capsule for both older and younger gamers you know, it's it's really impressive, I have to admit. Done you've done such a really great job capturing that era of gaming, but also I don't even know if I can call this modern. <laughs> like is there anything modern in here? This could totally run on I could totally see this running on a TRS eighty back in the day. Off a cassette drive. I can hear the cassette drive in my head as I play this. <laughs> I can hear the cassette drive going. <laughs> I have actually been, uh, when I've had a, a few bits of spare time, I have been looking at trying to port it to the Amstrad. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> that would be amazing oh, for certain people. Because I'm sure there's an emulator out there. There's, I'm sure there's an Amstrad emulator out there. And, yeah, and there is. I mean, I've been doing it on, I've been doing it on actual hardware. Um, I have the Amstrad next to me on my 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 office desk. So oh, that's awesome! And my, um, so wait, was that picture you um, sent us earlier? Was that like a, a live, like actual, like now picture? Like, oh my god! No, no that was the, so the, the 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 picture I sent was from a um, we, we we showcased it at like a games expo. So um, I fished out the um, the old keyboard and monitor um and i did actually get it working with the dot matrix printer so um <laughs> so wow some time and effort was put in so that um when your log appears in game it also prints out to the dot matrix printer oh my god uh, which that's crazy holy can, crap can i post that in the stream which chat? are you okay if i post that in the stream yeah chat? yeah yeah sure it's uh and there was a lot of so there was um 
the event that we hosted it at, there was actually um, quite a young audience. So, um, you know, kids of, uh, I'd say you, about the 10-year-old the mark, um, which initially I didn't know when, when we went to display it. And I thought, well, all these young kids aren't really going to be interested in what looks like, you know, something that's three or four times their age. Um, and a few of the parents were coming around and saying like, oh, yeah, that's the sort of stuff we used to play as a kid. Um, but they'd really get into it. And by having the dot matrix printer printing out their log, it kind of acted as a, like a little memento to say like, well, this is how well you did. And when you game over at the end, it, it prints out your, your stats and, and how you did. So, um, yeah, uh, it, it wasn't actually that difficult to get it to, to print out on the dot matrix. The hardest part was probably trying to get all this old hardware to actually work on a, um, a modern computer because of all the adapters and stuff that, that you need to, to get it working. Oh, really? <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Oh my God. Cause what was that monitor? That That's not VGA. What is that? What is that monitor? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, um, v, VGA monitor. Oh, it's a VGA monitor. Okay. I, I would have sworn it was a, it was an even older CRT, but I guess the game looks I guess the game makes it look older. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it, the monitor itself is only about twenty something years old. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't miss those either, Jose. I don't I don't miss those giant eighty pound CRTs either. I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh man, no needing to go to the gym. <laughs> God, I remember my first was it fifteen inch monitor it weighed like. It was so heavy, and yet seems so big back in the day. Like I could play an eight hundred by six hundred. Oh my god, <laughs> this is amazing! <laughs> You're oh what, Fernando? You have a friend who worked went deaf from working next to a dot matrix printer. Oh, that's sounds unfortunate. That's I oh that's with one really bloody loud printer. I mean, they were I I mean they were loud, but. I, the, I never had one that was that loud. I think I had two different dot matrix printers, but they were none of the ones I had. The worst part loud. is they're probably still more reliable than modern printers. I say, look at my HP, which is currently non-functional. Oh God. I have, we have an Epson and it's just, it's like, what oh, is it with modern printers and just, they're terrible. No, sorry. They're terrible. Tangent. No, we're doing a tangent. This is Fine. printer. This is printer junkie Tom podcast now. <laughs> Why are modern Do printers it. so garbage? Um, Why is it that every single printer on earth that's released nowadays is just the complete absolute worst? Because I'm not even talking about they, the, oh, the overpriced uh, the overpriced ink because that's that's its own thing. At least that's manageable with enough money. But the printers themselves don't work. They, they, don't make, via, they have like Wi-Fi. They have like Bluetooth. They have USB connections. None of them work. Yeah, oh, and we, don't forget to download their app. Yeah, we spent. And when um, they do work, they don't print properly because they're like misaligned or something. And they sh and they show you that you're out of ink when you're not out of ink. The cartridge is full. Yeah, my the, wife. The printer itself says the cartridge is full, but the but the, the printing program insists it's not. My wife and I spent an hour trying to get our printer working because for some reason it forgot the Wi for, for because for some reason it lost the Wi-Fi network and I had to do 80 things to get it reconnected to the Wi-Fi. Um and once we got it reconnected to the Wi-Fi, it worked. But then once it worked, she had to clean the heads and she had to do all these other things because like cyan wasn't printing. You know, <laughs> you know what I, you know what I found out recently. I have a three D printer. I have you know one of those fancy plastic three D printers. Mm -hmm. I have recently found out people have made programs and like software to make those print on paper because they're more reliable. Oh, yep. What? And I'm considering using one myself, seeing if I can make this thing work as a two D printer. Yeah, we we almost threw out our printer this weekend. We we it's just <laughs> it's like the first printer I had was a Radio Shack Tandy dot matrix printer, perforated edges. So you had to 
you had to line up the holes properly. And half the time you didn't, so your your stuff would be crooked because the left would be a little higher than the right. <laughs> but that printer lasted seven years, eight years. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is with printers these days. They're terrible. I, I wish we didn't need them anymore, but sometimes you got to print shit. <laughs> So that is awesome. The, that the ribbon on that printer, yeah, the, the the ribbon on that printer had actually dried out. But uh, apparently, oh God. With, uh, well, I, I say apparently, I've, I've done it myself. You you basically just spray a load of WD forty on the printer ribbon, refreshes it, and it's um, <laughs> good as new. So. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Maybe that's what we should do. Just. Get a get an old dot matrix printer. <laughs> oh my god, I miss that sound. Actually, old old school security measures from back when I started was yes. because we have access to proprietary and privileged information. Was once you're done with it, dispose of your printer ribbon properly so nobody gets information off. Printer it. ribbon. Oh man. Printer ribbon. Oh, oh, back in the day when it was just black. <laughs> oh, so one thing this game does is get you thinking about that older stuff, especially if you were around in that era. So this game slaps on multiple levels. I have to admit, you've done a fantastic job with it. Um, we're over an hour, so we should probably start wrapping up. Um, um, wait, I've got a oh, last question. Go for it. Go for yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, have, do you have pl uh, plans for another game? Uh, I've seen something on your homepage. Uh, this uh, X never marks the spot. I don't know if, if it's just a, a, a joke, but uh, is that a hint on, on, on uh, another game? Yeah, so... Uh that's kind of um that's the whole indie dev fallacy you know it's like oh, i'm going to be an indie dev i'm going to make a game that's got all this stuff on it and that's kind of you know the, the project that'll probably never end um but yeah it's something that i've been working on for quite a while well on and off for quite a while um so there is that in in the background um it's a, a very much an indiana jones inspired style game so um so that's on on the boil but um again i don't know when when that'll approach completion just because it's it's a lot of a bigger scope it it involves actual um artwork rather than um lines and vectors so um so yeah um but in regards to an actual next game um there's lots of ideas I'm, I'm I'm toying with uh at the minute. Um I mean I'm still working on its for Astro Protocol 2. Uh I've in the back of my head there's kind of an element that so Astro Protocol 1 was meant to be um early 80s. Astro Protocol 2 in my head was heading more towards the the late 80s and there's an element of me thinking could I do Astro Protocol 3.1? Uh, and designing it <laughs> similar sort of game, but played on a Windows 3.1 style. Oh no! Yes. Oh yes! Man. Oh, yes, please! Oh, Man. oh! Astro Protocol 3.1. Astro Protocol 3.1. I love it so much. Oh my god, that makes me so happy. Just the thought of it. Oh. Even if you never do it, just you the thought of it. Makes... it. And you get a little. Let me drag around boxes. <laughs> Oh my god. That sounds really cool actually. Oh, I love it. I love it. Please do this. Please do this. And call it Astro Protocol 3.1. You have to do that. I love the idea so much. We followed up by Astro Protocol Millennium. Oh. No, 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 no. Astro Protocol Bob. Okay, there you go. Astro Protocol Bob. There you go. Let's do that. God. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, okay. 
So, friends, the game is Astro Protocol 2. It is currently on Steam. You can get the first one on Itch uh, for free, but the uh, second one is a much more fleshed out product, so you should probably go in that regard. Um, you can get it, uh, it's what, about $5? $6? 5 $6 on Steam? $6, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a steal for the price because this is a huge game. It's a huge game that... <laughs> <laughs> You'll get a lot of small playthroughs out of, uh, <laughs> but it's really evocative of a very specific era of gaming that uh, thankfully isn't lost to us because we have games like this to remind us of what it was like back then. You know, so uh, the things we would, the things we would do without nerds with too much time. Yes. So thank you for being a nerd with too much time. Dan and <laughs> making this game <laughs> because it really is terrific. I'm terrible at it. I am absolutely terrible at it as you can see from the stream, but uh, it is terrific in what it's trying to, in what it is actually accomplishing. <laughs> um, so folks next week, we don't know yet. I've, I've offered, like I said earlier, I've offered uh, the next week's slot to someone I haven't heard back. So we might do a topic. I don't know yet. Um, so, uh, we'll have fun regardless. We always have fun here. We love doing this. So that's why we do it every week. Uh, so we'll have fun regardless. Just don't know what it'll be yet, but, uh, that's going to be, uh, next week. And tomorrow we're going to be playing the power of 10. Um, so that'll be fun. That hit 1.0 a little while back. So we're finally going to be doing that. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk to us about this game. It is if if you couldn't tell, we are fans of not only the game but the aesthetic that you're uh, successfully achieving here. So uh, thank you so much for making this thing. No, thanks for having me. Always happy to talk about uh, Astro Protocol and old tech as well. Yeah, we we there are a lot of us old timers who love old tech. So uh, you found you found the right people. I'll tell you that, uh, folks. Have a great day. Be safe. Be well. Take care of each other. Um, Thank you, as always, to our patrons, and a special thanks to those of you who've gotten vaccinated. If you haven't gotten vaccinated yet, what the hell are you doing? Just just, I, they, they just go. Just go right now if you haven't gotten vaccinated. Just do it already. For God, we're still in a pandemic. It's, st it's not over. We're still in a pandemic. So please, please get vaccinated. And with that, we'll see you next time, y'all. Have a great day. Bye-bye.